Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O C-O. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey folks, before you tap into this latest Lakers Legacy podcast episode... We would please like to ask for your guys' support. All you have to do is subscribe to us on the Apple Podcast app and leave a five-star rating and review. That goes a long way in maintaining the consistency and quality of this podcast moving forward. And also, it just lets us know that you're listening, and we love to know that you're listening. So thanks for your support, and yeah, go hit that five-star rating and review button. And now, on with the showtime. All right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where let's talk about the word limbo, because limbo is probably, I think, the most perfect word to describe your 2021-2022 Los Angeles Lakers. Limbo not only describes the futile in-between state the Lakers now find themselves in of not being championship contenders, while also not being a tank team with high draft hopes or draft hopes in general, and somehow also not being a team that's been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Now, Limbo also describes the very game the Lakers are playing out there on the basketball court, Alan, because I don't think they're playing basketball. I'm talking about the the Limbo game where you have the stick. You hold the stick up, and the people have to go under that stick and contort their body and walk under without touching the stick. Limbo as in how low can you go? How low can you go? Uh. All right. Well, <laughs> this is the Lakers Limbo C podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alan Riley, who's joining us via a quick drive through recording today. And Alan, how low can the Lakers go? I feel like we're really testing the limits here game by game, week by week. But also, truth be told, how actively have you actually been watching games these days? I have not missed a game. I... <laughs> I have not watched many of them live, although even if we were playing extremely well, that would be the case. I'm not actively avoiding the outcomes of the games before I start watching, just so I kind of know what I'm getting myself into. Uh, Whereas if the Lakers were doing well, I would avoid the results at all costs. 
So I think that's a significant departure of my typical habits. Mm. Um, but yeah, man, I've, I've watched every the one game, of course, that I did watch live was against Phoenix <laughs> on that Sunday oh, night, Lord. which is probably the worst one. Go figure. But yeah, that's how that's been going. Alan, you are a better man than most of us, especially me, because, well, a, a better quote unquote Laker fanatic, but I don't know about a better man. <laughs> okay, fine. Sure. Well, let's just say, Alan, I may have missed uh, two full games in the last two weeks and not actually rewatched from end to end. Let's just say I watched on YouTube. Oh, God, I know it's crazy. Um, but having said that, you as a Lakers fan may have watched a full game 48 minutes and I may have just watched the highlights on YouTube. And guess what, Alan? I will probably come out of that viewing with the same uh, analysis, which is the Lakers suck. So this past week and a half or so, I was stuck in jury duty, which is why we weren't able to you know, pump out an episode last week. And it was actually a pretty interesting case. It was a murder case, by the way. But in the aggregate, it was still such an absolute time waster, sucker of time. You're in this like bureaucratic slog dealing with government process and whatnot. It's it's pretty much a glorified DMV process, right? All that to say, it put me in an absolute malaise having to be in a courtroom for four hours a day, wearing a mask, hearing lawyers present evidence. But even having said all of that, Alan, I have to tell you, as life-sucking and drab as jury duty can be, it was still more enjoyable than having to watch Lakers games these days. And it definitely kept me more engaged, I'll tell you that much. To me at this point, Lakers games are background television. Like I make sure I'm doing something else, you know, finishing up an errand, washing dishes. I'll put the game on my iPhone while I go run on the treadmill because I want to at least feel like I did something productive during the time that I spent watching a lifeless team lollygag around for 48 minutes. Uh, so Alan... <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, there's that joke going around. Actually, it's not a joke, sadly, where, you know, it's been sourced that some Lakers personnel have been going around and saying, at least there's only one month left to the season. And I think that perfectly describes the malaise that the entire Lakers organization, the players, the fans have been in these past few weeks as we lifelessly drag ourselves to watch these games, to play these games, to to rah, 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 you know, as Lakers fans. I don't even think we're doing that at this point. But yeah, I, I've never seen anything like it in terms of what I've been watching on the court, Alan. It's, I've never seen a team as DOA as this team, dead on arrival. And we've watched some pretty terrible teams since starting this podcast, Alan. In my opinion, we're worse than a G League team. We're worse than those Lakers young core teams with D'Lo, Randall, and JC because, like I mentioned, we're in limbo, so there's not really, it doesn't seem like there's any clear direction that we're barreling towards. Everybody seems to have their own motivations and priorities, and nobody seems in sync with one another. So to expand upon that, how, how, how would you describe your feeling currently as a Lakers fan? Are you frustrated? Are you mad? And if so, where are you ch channeling that anger towards? Is it a particular player, the front office, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, where am I? I am like dragging myself to watch these games. Like there is some inexplicable obligatory feeling inside of me. It's like, I have to watch all of them, but I absolutely don't look forward to it. Um, I'm not excited. If anything, I question, yeah, my own sanity <laughs> as to like, why do I, why am I doing this to myself? And why do I actually get upset? Uh, over what I already know is going to happen. You know, like we talked mm -hmm. a lot about, 
oh, the season's frustrating because expectations were so high and they're like massively underperforming. Okay, well, we can scratch the expectations. There are no expectations now other than like they're going to play terribly. And yet, like I still get really freaking pissed off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, it's the lack of effort, of course. Um, every single play, you know, you see two or three guys just taking the playoff defensively. Uh, not getting back on transition defense, not doing anything well. Um, and I, I guess it's our like undying love for this organization that we, we just can't help ourselves, um, no matter how much at least like I try to disconnect from it. Um, so that's that's my frustration <laughs> right there. In terms of what I'm channeling, where I'm directing it, I'm directing it at everyone. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm not honing in on one specific person or group of people's uh it's freaking everything, which I guess is fair, right? Um yeah. I, I, I hate to, you know, say that LeBron needs to play better in certain, you know, situations. Um it's very frustrating when his body language, you know, is extremely negative and he doesn't get back on transition defense because if he's not, no one's going to. Um, because he has, you know, busted his ass and all that stuff. So it's hard to get mad at him, but there's a little bit of like, ah, come on, you know, but then if I put myself in his shoes, like you're not a robot, you're a human being. So, mm-hmm. um, to fall into that malaise for one of the goats is understandable. And, uh, it, it's definitely been like an intellectual like exercise to try to wrap my head around that as I'm watching too. So maybe that's, that's kind of interesting from like a psychological perspective. Yeah, you know, I, I think for me, I've ping-ponged back and forth. Like you said, you could spin the the Russian roulette table and land on somebody, and there's there's some blame to be had for that particular person, right? Um, the team has seemed like it's given up on the coach. LeBron seems like he's stonewalling Russ here and there. It seems like he's given up on Russ. Russ seems like he's a renegade out there, Alan, who hates the whole entire world and doesn't care about anyone while also feeling victimized, et cetera, et cetera. Um, in terms of the roster construction of this roster or lack thereof, there is no competent plan for this roster. There hasn't been one all season, but definitely not one now. There's no defensive plan, it seems like, because of the personnel. There's no offensive plan because of the coach. This is essentially pickup basketball, but it's not even good pickup basketball because the guys are half-assing it out there and totally compartmentalizing their games at this point to get in some individual stats and some cardio. And... I don't know. It's just so deflating and sad to watch because while at the same time understanding that they're technically not out of it, which I think makes things even more complicated, right? And I go into Allen, the young guys, and you know, right now we see Austin Reeves, Taylor Horton Tucker, Malik Monk, Wenyan Gabriel has started getting time, Stanley Johnson for some re- inexplicable reason has started to lose some minutes, even though I know he struggled recently. But Allen, it's even hard to, even if you give those young young guys minutes to take anything adequate away from their time because even if we totally like let's say we revert to like a tank season this isn't a typical tank season because in a tank season the vision is sort of aligned right your whole focus is going to the young guys you're not only giving them minutes but you're trying to work them out in concert with one another in concert with a scheme in 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 concert with a future plan and I feel like that's just not possible with this roster because there, that there are still minutes going to Russell Westbrook. 
There are still minutes going to DJ Augustine and Avery Bradley. Frank Vogel is still coaching this team as if it had a, has a shot at doing something meaningful. And on top of all that, LeBron is still playing and LeBron is trying to chase some historic milestones, you know, all power to him. And so the young guys, Alan, I feel like are caught in this limbo where I'm not sure they know what to do, you know? Because in a typical tank season, you give them the reins to sort of, you know, show their best qualities, right? But here it seems like they also have to toggle between, oh, I have to do what the coach wants me to, but also a lot of my teammates aren't trying either, but we're also trying to still win a game, I think. You know, so what are your thoughts on just the limbo that that the young guys must be in where even out of all of this, even if they get 28 minutes, 30 minutes, even if they're starting, it's like, can anything useful actually be gleaned from any of the stats that they're doing outside of, okay, I guess they're getting some reps, but what kind of reps are these if they're around guys who have seemingly given up on the season? Do you get where I'm going there? I do. I think what's most disheartening is you just hope that there isn't some sort of long-lasting effect beyond this season in -hmm. terms of the reputation uh, for the organization, right? Like we we talk, I know this is kind of taking a bird's eye view of it um, as opposed to attacking this issue more specifically and currently, but there's so much talk about, you know, this organization wants their damn respect when we won in the bubble. And it felt like, all right, the Lakers worked their way out of all those years, you know, of tanking and trying to approach things through the draft and all that sort of thing. We won a championship. Lakers are back on top. And here we are. And it feels like we undid a lot of that. It's not that it didn't happen, but boy, was it short lived. And as far as what things look like next year and the year after, um, attracting other players to want to come here and what the expectation is for any new player on this squad. Like, what are they going to be thinking in terms of what feels like a lot of dysfunction again? Mm -hmm. Um, So, again, that's disheartening to me. And I just hope that once the season is over, you can wipe the slate clean and just realign things um, from every angle imaginable. Yeah. Um, not saying you got to fire everybody, you know, but at least whatever poisoned the well, like that needs to be gone. We got to figure that out. Yeah. Alan, do you know, do you know what it kind of reminds me of? Like these young guns trying to figure out the rest of the season. It reminds me of Ozark where it's the kids being caught in between of two <laughs> adults who have no idea what they're doing with their lives, but they're just trying to survive. But it's just such a toxic environment, right? Where you're not, you're just hoping that these kids come out of it without some PTSD. I mean, you know, they're going to have some PTSD, but you're just hoping they're able to figure that out and work those things out after this one season, right? So that's great. I love that. So (laughs) Austin Reeves, like THD, they're all the young kids who are like, what in the world is going on? And you know, like, that's a great uh, comparison. I don't know if you follow Austin Reeves' brother on Twitter. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I've seen some tweets. Pretty outspoken, right? He's just like, what am I watching? Whatever. And you you know that they like talk to each other. I'm sure Austin Reeves has conversations with his brother. And it just makes you wonder if you were a fly on the wall, right? Or if you were friends with any of these young guys. Like, what, what are the things that they are thinking as they get their first taste of the NBA? And um, the fact that it has gone so wrong for them. I just I hope they have good people in their corner, you know, talking to them and getting them through this. 
No, for sure. All right. Uh, the last thing I'll say before we take it to break and quickly wrap the show up since Alan is short on time is we talked about DJ Augustine last week or our last episode because we had just recently signed him and Wenyan Gabriel and Alan. Uh, it has come to pass like the true definition of futility. You said the worst case scenario is DJ Augustine barely gets any time and he just meanders out there and doesn't do anything. Well, we are there. And Alan, I am actually pretty mad because I'm like, like you, what the hell was the point of that signing? And, you know, on top of that futility, Alan, we signed Wenyan Gabriel to a two-way contract, which I surmise at the time was kind of like a kind of like a bullshit contract just to, you know, play the optics and say that we made a move. But Alan, did you know, and I didn't know this at the time, that two-way players aren't even eligible to play in the play-in unless the Lakers cut somebody and turn that two-way contract into a standard contract. <coughs> it, it, it's <laughs> It's just pointless, right? Now, that could happen. Exactly. Futility. So with that said, let's take it to break. And when we return, let's try and end this episode on some positivity. And I'll also throw out some interesting split stats from the young guys that, you know, maybe we can try and mine some some good vibes out of that. So we'll catch you guys after the break. All right. So we are back. Alan, talk to me really quickly about LeBron James and his 50 point games, because those are the only things that we've been able to really get lit about recently. So LeBron James is currently third in the NBA in scoring at 29.5 points behind Giannis and Embiid. He only needs 56 points to pass Karl Malone in all times points scored in NBA history. That is incredible. 56 points against the Warriors, 6 of 9 from 3 in a win. That game was electric. I watched that game live, and that was like such an impressive show of just absolute shot-making from both teams. And LeBron, I think, hit like three ridiculous threes in a row and really took the game by the reins. Against the Wizards, he had 50 points, 6 of 11 from 3. That was another win. Pretty much the only two wins we've had in the last three weeks. But essentially, classic, staple, absolutely dominant LeBron takeover games and showed us flashes of fun and litness and maybe what this team could have become before all of the muddled mess of whatever this season has been with injuries and different priorities, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, what if you're just your quick one minute thought on, on watching LeBron James do that and kind of remind us, you know, here's showtime for just a little, you know, sneak peek. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I think that it's obvious physically he's not close to 100 uh, percent playing below the rim <clears throat> a lot. And he'll have his occasional dunk, you know, here and there. But that explosiveness is not quite what it usually is. But the fact that he can still be so crafty, so effective, um, playing the best looking old man game, if you will, uh, that we will ever see. Uh, it's incredible. And I know that everyone has been saying, like, you know, we got to appreciate this and, and be very grateful for it. And I mean, I echo all of that without a doubt. Um, got to enjoy, you know, these moments uh, while they are even happening for sure. So, yeah, it's been a pleasure to watch for sure. Yeah, so tremendous accolades and historical achievements for LeBron James as, you know, at this point, that's kind of the one thing we can look forward to to end this season. Although on the same end, it kind of feels like sort of pointless because it it reminds me of Kobe's final tour season where it was all about what individual accolades and achievements Kobe could reach as an individual because the team's collective goals were already so far gone. But at the same time, we take nothing away from LeBron. But I know for himself, he would probably much rather be doing this on a more competitive stage that actually meant something for this season as well, right? But unfortunately, you can't have everything. Uh, so Alan, quickly talk to me about what you've seen from Wenyan Gabriel, who at, right now can't even play in the play-in, but... What have you seen from Wenyan and 
Alan, when I say we're grasping at straws, man, are we grasping at straws. Um, Personally, for me, I like how he runs the floor, like how he hustles and battles for rebounds. I think he does a really good job of attacking closeouts and putting the ball on the floor. His finishing can be kind of super awkward and wild, but, you know, he shows some fluidity with his length here and there. He's not nearly the shooter I think he thinks he is, or the shooter he projected out to be, even coming out of uh, Kentucky. But, you know, overall, Gabriel is solely okay. I mean, he is Earl Clark, and it, for me, it's hard to take anything away from his game, especially since he's, he only just started playing recently, and he's only getting like 15 minutes a game. Um, but it's also hard to take anything away from Gabriel because this team is so bad that anyone with his size showing the slightest amount of effort is just going to stand out. So it's almost like, is Wenyan really any good, or does he just look somewhat intriguing because this team is so inept in every other area? So your quick thoughts on Wenyan Gabriel. Um he is intriguing for sure. Uh, I, I agree with you. The first thing that stands out is the way that he runs the floor. Um, you know, we can compare him to like a gazelle. I feel like that's like the most common animal comparison for guys like him. Um, there is like a certain amount of fluidity to his game uh, just because of his physical attributes. But like you said, he also has his moments where it's a bit wonky and uh, you can tell that there's still a little bit of skill development needed for sure. Um, he, he, he seems like he is a guy that understands like his potential in a way, but he probably plays above it <laughs> in a way, um, which is normal, right. For a young player. So I hope that he's able to stick around in the league, um, that he isn't just stuck in the G league, you know, for too long and he gets a chance. But, um, I guess, yeah, I get excited when he comes in the game, more excited than watching most of the other guys on the squad. So there's something to be said about that. Too bad we don't get a chance to watch him in that friggin' playing game. That That's a real gut punch right there that uh, I did not know, obviously. Well, they, they can still... You're they right, can, you're right. They, they, can, they yeah. can still cut a player and make him a standard contract, but with how cheaply they've been operating, who knows if that'll actually happen. Close we'll just the show. assume that he's not playing, right? Yeah, let's just assume that. Exactly. So quickly, talk to me about Monk, THT, and Reeves, and I have some quick stats to throw out there. So Malik Monk, even with the last few Malaysi games bringing his average down these past few games, he's still averaging 16.6 points, 4 rebounds, 3.3 assists on 46.7% field goals, 42% from 3, hitting 3 a game, 1 steal, only 1.6 turnovers as a starter for the entire season. So to me, that's just a good player. I looked at his split stats. So whenever Malik Monk plays 30 to 39 minutes, he's played 23 such games. Essentially, anytime Malik Monk gets 30 minutes, whether that's a product of him playing very well or getting hot or having a more clearly defined role to start the game where Vogel knows he's going to commit those minutes to him, whenever Malik Monk gets 30 plus minutes, this year he's averaging 19 points, 4.2 rebounds, 3.2 assists on 48.6% from the field, 42.8% from three-point land, okay? Those are incredible numbers. And it just shows you he is sort of like a starter quality shooting guard from an offensive perspective. He's going to kill you defensively, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of what he can provide your team in terms of spacing, shot creation, shooting from the outside, playmaking, um, Malik Monk has been a very, very solid player. And it's just all about, you know, committing minutes to him no matter what. Maybe he's not a full-time starter on a contending team, but on a contending team, could he be your Lou Will off the bench? Absolutely. Now, the one thing that's really stood out to me with Malik Monk has been his playmaking. 
Monk has really flashed his playmaking skills and ability. A large part of that is due to him having the ball more in his hands, getting more minutes, more usage, being put in more actions. But in the month of March, since being reinserted back into the starting lineup, he's averaging 3.8 assists, which is the highest assist average he's had all year. In the nine games Monk has played in March, he's had at least four assists in seven out of those nine games. Since the beginning of January this whole year, 2022, Monk has averaged nearly three assists every month of this new year and only averaged around 1.5, 1.8 turnovers. So those are like the highlights that I've seen from Monk. Um, Now, THT, he's dealing with a grade two ankle sprain, but has had some really nice flashes here and there the last couple of games, namely the Wizards game. He had a nice step back dribble pullback jumper where he had Corey Kispert flying to the the baseline, hit the jump shot on him. He got Kuzma on a one-handed jam where he put on a nice reverse spin and then threw down a Kawhi-like palm the ball the whole way jam on Kuz. Um, He had a really nice Raptors game where he was bulldozing through all these wings and pirouetting and finishing these nice layups over length. So I, I found this stat where when THT plays at least 30 minutes, which he's gotten 14 games of this season, so this is 30 to 39 minutes. Anytime THT has gotten 30 to 39 minutes, he averages 14.7 points, 4.2 rebounds, 3 assists, 1.4 steals on 43% from the field, only 24% from 3, hitting 1-3 a game, shooting 78% free throws. So it's still an up and down sort of average, but in aggregate, when he gets the minutes, he can put up, you know, around 15 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 1.4 steals, and you contextualize all of that with his role being tugged and pulled every which way. And so maybe if he has a more consistent role, defined role, in 30 minutes, maybe those averages bump up to like 18, 5, and 4, right? Lastly, Austin Reeves. Very small sample size, but in the six games Reeves has played 30 to 39 minutes, just like THT, he has averaged 11.7 points, four rebounds, 2.2 assists on 59% from the field, 48% from three, 100% from the line. Obviously, six games is a very small sample size, but Austin Reeves has also had some nice stretches here where he's really shot the three ball well, particularly uh, if we take out the last four games, his four games prior to that, Reeves had shot 9 of 15 from three. That's 60%. And while his shooting has been a bit of a roller coaster, in the month of March, 25 minutes, 9.2 points, 3.8 rebounds, 1.4 assists, 47.5% from the field, 35.5% from three, 87% free throws. I still think there's something there with Reeves as a really solid player. Um, and he's been really good as a starter. So Alex Caruso plus Kirk Heinrich, that's who I see in Austin Reeves. So in closing, your thoughts on Reeves, Monk, and THD. Yeah, those are um, some pretty good numbers as you extrapolate. Um, yeah, Monk, playmaking ability, like you said, definitely an underrated part of his game. You just got to think of him, you know, in Charlotte as kind of a chucker and um, just in his own world at times. And yeah, I mean, that is one of his attributes is being able to get his own shot. But um, he has... Uh, more to offer than just that. And uh, yeah, he's had some ups and downs, but something that you can't knock with him is his confidence. That's for damn sure. And um, he's the type of guy that we all know he's a microwave and uh, he will not hesitate to shoot the ball. Um, Probably not going to shoot you out of games necessarily either. So I I think that that's great. Um, Been a lot. He's been a bright spot (laughs) this season without a Mm -hmm. doubt. Um, Surprisingly has like great chemistry with Russell Westbrook as well. So, I mean, that that's helpful. as far as THT, I mean, notor- you know, he was like slumping pretty hard <laughs> for a while this season, like really couldn't get anything going. And despite his injury, 
Um, as you said, you know, he showed flashes. Um, so it's good to see that resilience from him. It, it feels like this is his sophomore slump season, and it, even though this is his third year, correct? True. <laughs> um, but it definitely feels like he's worked his way out of it, um, gone out of his head a little bit. I think trade deadline was probably a big, you know, distraction for him. So it, it's good to see that development. And then uh, Austin Reeves, like, I just wish, like, I feel like if he if he knocked down, like, one three-pointer fairly early in the game, that would increase his confidence mm-hmm. even more. But uh, I think Stu Lance mentioned it, that he, he really likes it when he tries to look for his own offense here and there. Yes. Uh, he can get his own shot, you know, just a little head fake pump mm-hmm. pick and then get in that mid-range. And um, if he asserts himself a little bit more, and he's just a rookie, right, um, he'll learn how to pick his spots. Um, it's funny, like, he's had like some uncontested dunks um, in these last few games that mm-hmm. the defense just doesn't respect him at all. So the fact that he's got that recognition is awesome and uh, be cool to see him like not settle for the three quite as often, but um, yeah, uh, some bright spots. I'm, I'm feeling a little yeah. more positive. Now. Well, Thank you, you know, for ending speak- with this. <laughs> absolutely. Well, speaking of Austin Reeves, he had that play against the Raptors where he split the defense, knifed down the lane for like a two-handed jam. And I was like, whoa, where the hell was that? And I think I'm always surprised by his off-the-dribble creation. You forget just the type of bag that Austin Reeves has. And the three-point shooting, you know, he was he profiled as a spot-up shooter in college. And I think in the NBA, it's just about continuing to get reps, having a consistent role. I know he's only shot two of 13 from three the last four games. That's very bad, 15%. But again, the four games prior to that, 60%, nine of 15. So right now he's still finding himself. He's trying to find the consistency there. I think with an off season of strength training in particular, building up that core in his body, but also getting more three-point shooting reps, understanding that oh, I just, I'm coming out of a season where I was actually averaging 24 minutes as a rookie. Maybe this next season, my role will be more defined and I can expect to have those shots and not be as tentative. I think it's slowly all going to come together for Reeves. And you know, if he has, if he does what he did this season on 30 to 39 minutes, 11.7 points, four rebounds, 2.2 assists. I know the field goal percentage and three point percentage aren't going to be this high, but let's say he's shooting 47%, 36, 38% from three and 87% from the line. Like, That is a very solid starter. And a guy who, like, off the ball, cuts at all the right places and just on defense actually tries and hustles. He's going to get beat up because he's small and sort of slight in frame, but he just kind of does everything you want him to do. And again, as we've mentioned before, is just such a perfect connector piece. All right, with that said, we'll end it here. Um, Alan has to go, and that's our quick update on the freaking Lakers, and hopefully... Uh, we get back on track to winning and Wenyan Gabriel gets more time and gets turned into a standard contract and LeBron James surpasses Karl Malone, which he undoubtedly will in the next few games. So with that said, Alan, thank you for joining me and let's go Lakers. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. I feel better now. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. Have, ha- have fun in Taiko and, and bang it out on the drums. Oh, yeah. That's from a channel on my energy for sure. <laughs> there you go. All right. See you, dude. Later. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.